This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, eight minutes after 11 o'clock and hour number three is now underway on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for being with us. Some very important conversations we have held thus thus far this morning. If you missed them, we talked in depth with uh, Ryan Morrow, uh, our Middle East expert analyst uh, and national security and homeland security expert as well about the ongoing uh, atrocities in the Middle East and what the American and Israeli responses must be to Hamas and what has been done. So uh, if you missed that interview with Ryan Moore, you should check that out. Then we just completed a uh, terrific in-depth conversation about the same uh, with uh, Peter Kirshenow from the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Both those interviews will be up and part of the broadcast, or the podcast, rather, at uh, whkradio.com, whkradio.com. And if you want to talk about that, we will begin taking your calls shortly on that uh, on that ongoing issue. But I do want to pivot now, and I want to uh, welcome back to our program uh, the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, Dave Yost, for some matters of uh, concern to Ohioans. I know his uh, focus is also, I think, all Americans, uh, certainly on what's going on uh, in Israel, but uh, we do have some other matters to tend to. So, Attorney General Dave Yost, thank you for joining us this morning here in Cleveland. How are you, sir? I'm well, Bob. Good to hear your voice. Good to talk to you as well. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, before we get into the issues that we, you know, we scheduled this conversation with you last week when some news uh, happened in Ohio that I wanted you to comment on. But obviously things changed on Saturday. If you wanted to uh, make any uh, statements or remarks about what you see happening in Israel right now and uh, the American response to that, I'll give you a leeway to do that. Uh, well, I appreciate it. I think like all Americans, um kind of nervous about what's going on. This is an unprovoked war of aggression, uh, and the tactics being used by Hamas are uh, inhumane uh, against every notion of civilized behavior. Uh, and I, I stand with Israel, uh, certainly hopes and prayers, but uh, hopes, prayers, and ammunition. Uh, we, we need to continue to support our ally. Uh, I also... Uh, you know, pray for our country because I um, I'm concerned about how the world perceives us and our ability uh, to respond to our responsibilities. Uh, so uh, this is a time when all Americans need to unite. Um, we need to have a, a single uh, purpose in. Uh, making sure that 
the world does not devolve into chaos. Yeah, I, that's well said, and I, I support especially the, the part about uh, thoughts, prayers, and ammunition, uh, because that is what is needed here by these, uh, you know, for our allies in Israel who continue to face just, you know, rampant anti-Semitism and uh, uh, hatred from people in the surrounding states there in uh, in the Middle East. Uh, they are taking it from all sides. They have very little support other than from us, which is why our support must be unequivocal and uh, why it's so troubling when I am seeing too many people, including a representative here in the state of Ohio, expressing support for the Palestinians and expressing no um, uh, con- condemnation for what Hamas has just done. So... Um, hopefully there will be a unified uh, message coming from the United States in spite of those people rather than us being defined by those people as it pertains to that uh, that horrific event in uh, in Israel. So, yeah, Attorney former General... Prime Minister, ahead, for, former Prime Minister uh, of Israel, Golda Meir, said, if the Palestinians lay down their weapons, there will be peace. If Israel lays down its weapons, Israel will cease to exist. That is a profound statement. It is one that needs to be repeated now. I'm glad you just did. That is exactly correct. And, and you know, I don't want to chase this too far because we want to get back to Ohio issues, Attorney General Yost, but that's one thing that we saw because um, the Israelis, after the fact, said, you know, maybe we should have armed our citizens. Civilians are not allowed to be armed. You have to prove a need for for weaponry uh, in uh, in Israel, despite the compulsory military service in Israel of all citizens. Um, civilians are not allowed to be armed. And now, after the attack, they have taken the kind of, you know, little too little too late step of arming as many citizens as possible in case of another assault uh, and another invasion from, you know, from these Hamas militants. It's important for them to be able to protect themselves. They did not have their arms. And as you just pointed out with that quote by Golda Meir, it, it, it led to, you know, some, some catastrophic results on Saturday. So... Um, again, that's a, that's neither here nor there as far as the United States goes, but it is a very uh, instructive, I think, moment for, for all of us. There's a reason why we have a Second Amendment here in the United States. We have to be able to protect ourselves against threats that we may not be able to identify at the moment. Uh, Attorney General Yost, I'm hearing some clicking. Are we, are we still connected? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay, I'm hearing uh, clicking. It, it, it sounds like one of those. Yeah, it sounds like one of those call drop situations. I wanted to make sure you were still there. So when we reached out to your office uh, last week, I wanted to bring you in on this issue about missing kids and missing uh, people uh, in in Cleveland, Ohio, in particular, in Northeast Ohio, not just from the entire state of Ohio, but this story just kind of struck a lot of us last week that more than a thousand children have been reported missing in and around Cleveland, Ohio, including fifty minors, just in the month of. September that went missing. Your office commented on it and talked about and verified the numbers and wanted to find out what you think needs to happen here because I can tell you being in Cleveland, we know the numbers in terms of police 424 officers under the budgeted amount. They don't have enough officers to go out searching for missing kids here. So what can you say about this from the uh, from the Attorney General's office? Well, of course, missing people, missing children are, by necessity, a local law enforcement uh, matter. Uh, I mean, if it's your eight-year-old daughter or son that goes missing, you don't want some bureaucrat, uh, even a good one, in Columbus uh, directing 
the, the search. That that needs to be local. Uh, people that know the community, uh, that know the streets, know the people, uh, know the perps. Um, so I think there's a limited role for the attorney general to play. Now, we do provide resources, uh, and we've reached out to the local jurisdictions to make sure that uh, – you know, the access to specialized databases, the uh, intelligence analysts that we have, are they, that they know that those functions are available. Because, you know, candidly, a lot of smaller departments or even a large department, as you point out, like Cleveland, that's understaffed, um, maybe doesn't have those things. And that's why my office and BCI exist, is to help locals. Um, but uh, we're, we're doing what we can. And uh, I guess the other thing I would say is, uh, as alarming as those numbers are, and they're accurate to the best of what we have, mm-hmm. the data and the reporting system are not robust, to, to be kind about it. Well, you're right. And, and the, the comment that you made in the article that made us reach out to you, too, is very important, because I believe it to be accurate. The, the majority, maybe even a significant majority of missing kids um, are not abductions, they're runaways. Uh, and sometimes it's the same kid running away multiple times. I don't know if they're, they, that individual gets counted each time and why, if it increases the numbers, but, but a lot of these are runaway situations. And yet still, the reason why it's so important for law enforcement, and I think even at the, the state level, is because of the massive increase in abductions because of human trafficking and sex trafficking of minors. Um, you know, those numbers are off the charts. We do have sex traffickers and human traffickers who are coming across our poorest southern border. They're coming into the interior of the United States, and they are proceeding to, you know, to grab kids for profit. So it, that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, at the state level and even at the interstate slash federal level, this is something that, you know, that, that needs to be on, on all of our radars. Well, I, I agree. Uh, I, I would caution to uh, not overstate um, the number of abductions, but abductions do happen, um, and human trafficking is a thing. Uh, and uh, you haven't even mentioned the, the gang situation. Uh, so there are, are, while the vast majority of kids, oh, 96% of them are returned um, to their parents, um, some kids go missing voluntarily and just are never returned. And then there's uh, there's certainly abductions that do happen. So um, you know, one missing child is too many, and the society that doesn't protect its children uh, is destined for the dustbin of, of history. Very well said. We are talking with the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, uh, Dave Yost. So, Attorney General Yost, I want to I want to pivot to something from last week um, because this is very important. Early voting for the November seventh election is is tomorrow. Uh, hard to yep. believe, but it's upon us. People can cast their votes for or against issues one and two, among other things, tomorrow. And um, on Thursday, I think it was last week, you issued a couple of statements. 
um, regarding the the legal analysis of issues one and two. So I wanted to kind of maybe get a summary from you for our listeners who haven't read your statement about what you want voters to know about issue one. We'll start there and then we'll we'll, uh, work our way to two. But what do you want voters to know from a legal standpoint from the AG's office about this issue before they go? Thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. The uh, issue one, of course, is what the proponents call the reproductive uh, health amendment and what the opponents call the abortion amendment. Uh, and our office did, uh, tried very hard to issue uh, an answer to the what question. What is it that we're being asked to decide? Of it. Uh, we did not try to weigh in on the why side because that's up to the voters. My bosses get to decide that, not me. Um, so th- this is a neutral legal analysis. Uh, like any lawyer, I'm trained to be able to ride, uh, argue uh, either side of a case. And uh, so th- that's what it is. At a top line, I guess the main thing I would want your listeners to know, uh, particularly those that are maybe a little bit conflicted about the question of abortion, is that this is not a reset button. There's some folks that are out there saying, well, this is just, you know, Dobbs was so much, it was so fast, this is just going to, you know, put, the, put, the, uh, put us back to where we were in the spring of 2022 before Dobbs was decided. That is not true. Uh, it, it, this is the most pervasive uh, and expansive uh, set of rights uh, protecting abortion that has ever existed in the state of Ohio. And as far as I can tell, uh, it, it may be the most uh, expansive in the entire country. This goes much further than Roe versus Wade. And I'm, I'm happy to dive into a few of the reasons why, if you would like. But the, the bottom line is no reset button here. Uh, this is a radical uh, new uh, legal regime that has never been the law in Ohio. Uh, you use the word expansive. I would probably use the word extreme. I think it's the most extreme law that we have seen in the state of Ohio, and I think it is the most extreme law law related to abortion or reproductive health, as they like to call it, in the country. Uh, it is that, and it and of course, you know. You correctly say they call it a reproductive rights, a reproductive health issue, and those who are opposed to it, like myself, we call it, um, you know, an abortion issue. But it's so much more than that because of the vague language. And I know you were trying to to really make sure people understand some of these things with your statement. They used vague language. They did not say women, which would indicate eighteen and over adults who are pregnant. Um, they said individuals, no regard whatsoever for age, which means that teenage minor Minors who become pregnant one way or another uh, have a right to do this without any parental sign-off whatsoever. And likewise, since the language talks about reproductive health decisions belonging solely to the individual of any age, reproductive health decisions come into play when sex changes are, are preferred. And the beginnings of those uh, drastic measures, such as you know cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers, again, parents are cut out of this. So it's about much more 
than just abortion. Not that abortion needs anything else to be added to this, but there are added things because of the vague language they used uh, when they wrote this amendment. Yeah, and and just to go a, a bit further on uh, the gender uh, issues, um, we found that the law is going to be a mess. This, this is this ought to be called the uh, uh, the, the plaintiffs bar full employment act because uh, there will be lots of lawsuits uh, involved uh, over gender dysphoria and, and various kinds of. Uh, medical treatment. Some of them, uh, the state will be prohibited from uh, uh, regulating more than likely because of the amendment if it passes. Uh, other things, uh, I, I'm careful about making a sweeping generalization. I think there's probably a few things that the legislature could do that I will be able to defend as the attorney general. Uh, so I want to be careful. I don't. I don't just waive all of my arguments because, man, I'm going to be in court for years over this stuff if it passes, and yeah. frankly, if it doesn't pass. <laughs> no, I understand, and uh, and I'm glad you brought all of that stuff up briefly because we're a little short on time here. I could go much more in depth with you on the abortion issues uh, and the language in that amendment, but let's talk about issue two for a second. Again, give us a brief summary of the legal analysis you want voters to know before they start voting as early as tomorrow, and then I have a follow up. Ohio already allows medical marijuana, so to the extent that you want kids with epilepsy, people with pancreatic cancer, glaucoma, to be able to access marijuana, they already can. Uh, perfectly legal. Nobody is rotting in prison because they possessed a joint. You can keep up to 100 grams already under Ohio law, and it's a minor misdemeanor. You can't even be put in jail for it. Uh, 100 grams being more than three ounces. Mm -hmm. So what this does is it's Katie bar the door. It's marijuana for getting stoned, uh, for growing your own. Uh, I mean, it will just open the door to uh, a wide variety of uh, marijuana uses. And there are going to, it's a very long uh, statute that they're proposing. Um, and so it's probably beyond our, our time on the radio to be able to walk through all these. Yeah, stuff. no, and we don't have to. I do. My follow-up is going to be about a couple of the points in that statute that they're so, proposing. But briefly, just on the issue of the expanded use of, mar- of uh, marijuana from medical to recreational, we've seen this in 20-some other states, and we have seen just astronomical increases, exponential maybe increases, in traffic accidents after they uh, uh, after they legalized weed because, as we all know, there is much less stigma about driving while stoned as there is driving while drunk because they can't test for it immediately without a blood test because, um, you know, as we know, marijuana stays in the system for up to 30, 30 to 40 days and individuals feel like, uh, you know, they can smoke and drive and they're going to get away with it because they can say, no, I'm, I'm going to test positive because I, you know, I smoked last week and it's still in my system. These are things that are just irrefutable. The increase in accidents and and, and uh, potential deadly accidents in the states that have legalized it? Well, the data and causation are uh, really tangled issues. Uh, but look, I, I am alarmed at the medical research that shows 
uh, potential links to psychosis with uh, regular use of the potent stuff that's out there now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Children's Hospital Coalition, okay, I mean, these are not political people, and to the extent that they have opinions, uh, they they don't skew toward uh, your view and mine of the world. The Children's Hospital Association has come out and opposed issue two uh, for health reasons. Uh, that that ought to, in and of itself, give you serious pause as to whether we ought to let this particular genie out of the bottle. Agreed. Agreed on the on the health of the kids. And you're right. That in and of itself should be enough. But I'm going to stick with it, even though you're right. There are some sticky, you know, uh, issues when it comes to causation uh, of the traffic incidents. Again, the, in the states that have legalized this, uh, it has become very, very dangerous to be on the roadways. And I did want to follow up with you. As you said, it's a very lengthy uh, statute that they're proposing here, this amendment. Bullet points four and five in the text uh, I want to ask you about, uh, or actually, correction, five and six. The Ohio uh, to enact Chapter three seven eight zero of the Ohio Revised Code would establish the cannabis social equity and jobs program and require the Department of <laughs> Development to certify program applicants based on social and economic disadvantage. And then point six, define social disadvantage to include membership in a racial or ethnic minority group, disability status, gender, or long term residence in an area of high unemployment. What in fresh, you know, what is this? Well, um, again, well, if this passes, I imagine there will be litigation. Uh, without predicting the outcome of the litigation, let me just point out that uh, racial preference programs are uh, suspect anywhere the government does them after students prefer admissions versus Harvard in the last term. Uh, beyond that, uh, one of the things you'll find is that if you were convicted of a marijuana offense, uh, you qualify as being disadvantaged, meaning uh, when if this passes, you get preferential treatment for a license if you're a former drug dealer. Uh, and uh, I, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, people will get to decide whether they think that's a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, but you, you can put me down as a no vote on this. I know we could. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it because this is saying it's one thing to say legalize weed or not legalize weed for recreational use. It's another thing to bring DEI into it and talk about uh, uh, disadvantage or oppressed racial or gender groups. It's uh, it's really bizarre. So, yeah, uh, I know you are strongly in opposition to issues one and two. I'm glad you issued the legal analysis that you did for if, if there are, and I doubt very many people are on the bubble on this, but if there are undecided voters who just don't know and they don't know what the legal ramifications ramifications of these uh, these uh, potential amendments would be the attorney general has provided that analysis for them. I'm glad you did it, and I'm glad you came on to share that with the people before they go to vote tomorrow. Attorney General Yost, thank you so much for the time. It was wonderful to talk to you. Don't forget to vote. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you as well. It's 1130. We'll get to the news now. We'll uh, open it up for calls to wrap it up.